sound of Mark and Aviva. It's like Pavlov's dogs. If my approaching had a sound. <laughs> that was a good one. Cheers to that. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hello, Aviva. How are you? About to be much better. How are you? I'm good. What are we drinking today? Today we're having a 2020. Uh, white Bordeaux from France, and it's also from Trader Joe's, which is, uh, it's about $4.99. Nice. Did you find this on the Frugal Sommelier? I sure did. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. So you and I have been having after-work cocktails, pre-work cocktails, during-work cocktails sometimes, <laughs> and we've always called it our little liquid ladies lunch, our mm-hmm. little chance to like have a drink, like talk about our day, and so we decided to put it into a podcast. Hair apparent. Hair apparent. We found a name. Thank you, Lisa Walker. <laughs> Lisa Walker to the rescue once again. <laughs> yes, all credit is, is due to Lisa Walker for the name of our podcast. Hair apparent, which I didn't really, I mean, I've heard of hair apparent. Would a hair apparent be an assistant? No. No, not necessarily. Not, not necessarily. Not always. Mm-hmm. The hair is apparent. How about that? Oh, it's apparent. Okay. <laughs> for us, Some for people. two hairstylists, yeah. Yeah. So you and I met, how many years ago was it? Okay. I did the math the other day. I believe I met you in 2003 or 2001 when I was working in the office of... The Magnet Agency. The Magnet Agency, who you were represented by. But I can't remember. I think that was 2003. And I started assisting you and left the office in 2005. That's it. There it. it is. 2005. And then... I was signed and not an assistant anymore in 2008. All right. So we would call this your coming in story, like how you broke into the industry and you did it in such a kind of good sneaky way by taking a job working at an agency that repped hairstylists and makeup artists. Yes. It seems sneaky, but the listing, it was Craigslist at the time, I want to say. It said small boutique agency. It didn't say hair or makeup agency. Oh. And I have emails that I had sent to Lisa Walker for like a year prior saying, I want to get on your assistant roster, please. I will assist any of your hairdressers. And so when I showed up for the interview that day to be an office assistant, I was like, this is magnet. What are the odds I've been trying to get a job? I've been trying to get on their assistant roster for a year. So it was kind of like just karma. Oh, wow. Just like brought in. Yeah. yeah. And then you worked as like an agent assistant? Yeah, for two and a half years. I was like, I created their tear organization room back when we had paper, you know, tear sheets, por- portfolios and leather bound books. And I got an education in like how to put together a portfolio, how to write a deal memo, an education about how publicity works, who the big photographer names were. Like all of that was like a crash course, like an MBA in the business of beauty. Right. Especially at this level. And then I, you know, after a while, I realized like I'm on the wrong side of this. I want to go out and do the work too. Literally, it, it went from because Lisa did rep some pretty um, diva attitude people. Yes. Me included. Yes. Um, and we all realized that you were the one person we could talk to. Like we always got our information because you were so organized. Call sheets were like to the T, like every bit of information we needed. And then the same divas all fought over you once you just announced like, hey, I'm a hairstylist (laughs) and I'm going to become an assistant now. (laughs) And then you did it part time though, Lisa. Or no, first you just assisted on the weekends. Nights and weekends. Yeah. And I I assist my first job out of the office 
luckily you hired me and it was for Hillary Duff's beat of my heart music video <laughs> and I was so so nervous but I was like oh my god I can't believe this is happening this is so amazing I'm in front of a celebrity it's just I was so nervous and yeah it Hillary was, Duff she kept me busy back in the day yeah you and Rachel Goodwin yeah Rachel Goodwin and I traveled a lot with her and then yeah. Patty Dubroff and I ended up doing a lot of videos with her too Patty Dubroff, the amazing uh, makeup artist, as well as Rachel Goodwin. Yeah. I can't believe that was the first job you assisted me on. The first job, yeah. Oh, we have to go back and rewatch that. What's your favorite memory about that job? Well, I remember I was so nervous just to be out of the office, but I remember you were sitting at the Video Village, which is where everyone watches the monitors to see what's happening far away from the set. And you were sitting in Video Village, and you were like, okay, see that fly away? you got to go touch that up. And I was like... I can't touch her. She's famous. And um, in in addition to that, she was sitting, the set was like a big acrylic round ball. The, seat the sling? bubble chair. Seat sling? Bubble chair. A seat sling. A seat sling. <laughs> That's probably not what we call it, but no. it was like a 60s futuristic like Barbarella kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I remember taking the long walk from Video Village with hairspray in my hand, shaking like crazy. And I was like, I have to touch up a flyaway oh my god and so I just went into the bubble acrylic bubble and it's like Mark told me to touch up your hair (laughs) sprayed her hair down so nervous and I knew it was shaking and then I yeah I came back so that was the beginning that was the first flyaway I I touched and the rest is history Hillary Duff's flyaway yeah we have to rewatch that video I know I would love to actually it was really fun but yeah that's that was my um coming in story and then eventually it was like okay I'm I'm done in the office and now I'm ready to and was so grateful to you to hire me so much and and work for you and I learned so much from you and work for Deer and Robert Vedica mm-hmm. and all the other hairstylists on the hair roster at the time and yeah it was so fun and god the, the magnet agency back in those days <sighs> what was the very first job they booked you on Ellen DeGeneres <gasps> Really? She was looking for a hairstylist. Surprise, surprise. And so I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I'm going zero to 100 in one second. And for the show? For the show, for her talk show. I remember now. And I had to go. <laughs> Sending a lamb to the slaughter. Uh, yeah, and it, yeah, it didn't last very long, which yeah. typically they don't. And I, I'm okay to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. We've Hair, all... Hairdressers don't last long in that gig we've all been there yeah we've all been in in that in that list on that line we were all the hair apparents hair apparents hair apparently you're gonna get fired (laughs) yeah um so yeah and then the rest is history i started working and that was you know it's 2022 so been at it for a minute yeah cumulatively cumulatively spell that (laughs) not today not today sir what was your coming in story my coming into the industry, I after I, I went to cosmetology school in Lakeland, Florida, mm-hmm. uh, at the Travis Vocational Technical Center, got my license and knew that I wanted to somehow work in fashion. Like I was obsessed with hair. I Even before I was in hair school, I knew the names Orbe and Danilo, oh. just because I would read those names in magazines all the time. So I got my license and a friend was actually going up to New York City to become a hairstylist. Her husband was going to be going to college in New York. So I tagged along on a trip to New York City with them. And during the day, she was going into like the really posh Upper East Side salons like Frederick Fakai and Salon AKS. Um, I think maybe John Sahag even back then. 
I didn't tag along with her to her interviews. You know, that would have been unprofessional. But I took the time and I went into the Orbe salon, just walked in cold off the street. I was 26 years old looking around like, wow, this is incredible that the Orbe salon on Fifth Avenue on Fifth Avenue was like the most incredible place to walk into. There were these like velvet drapes everywhere. He actually wanted it to look like a French brothel. And it really did kind of look like that. I was staring at like the murals of the supermodels on the walls and like all the incredible hairstylers that were working in there. And someone walked up to me. He was the manager of the salon and Orbe's manager at the time, Omar. And he just asked me like, hey, can I help you? And I said, I'm fresh out of school. I am a hairstylist. I just wanted to come here, like look around. It's so inspiring. And he actually took me on a tour. And he walked me through all the rooms and and showed me this is where Orbe works when he's here. And I was just blown away. And then he said to me, if I have a friend that I could bring back to the salon the next day, there's a spot on Orbe's editorial team opening up and you have to try out to get on his team. And so I had to come back the next day with a model. So I asked my friend if I could use her hair and I didn't travel with any kit. I had no kit with me at all. I was just literally tagging along to New York City. So I went and bought like the cheapest blow dryer, the cheapest brush I could find, like a fake kit right out of like Walgreens. Oh my God. And showed up with the nerve to do hair in front of these incredible hairstylists. And so I had to do a blowout and then style the blowout three different ways. Like no, no cutting. Yeah, from wet hair. She came in, I shampooed and conditioner and then blew her hair out. They watched me do the blowout. And then I did two updos and then... uh, like a kind of a brushed out wave situation. Like it was very nineties at the time. Yeah. And they told me I got the spot. I'd have to start right away. And I panicked and just thought like, how am I going to, how am I going to make this happen? And in my panicked moment, I literally looked at Omar and it's one of those moments I wish I could take back in my whole life. But I said, can I have a couple days to think about it? And he kind of giggled and was like, yeah, uh, don't take too long though. Like a lot of people want this spot. I can't believe you said that. I, On the plane, on the way home, back down to Florida, I was literally punching myself in the face. I was like, who do I think I am telling these people, like, let me think about it? Fancy salon in Manhattan. I I know. I I was in there begging them. Um, But I came to my senses very quickly. And within, like, three weeks, I sold my car. I broke the lease on my apartment. And I called a really good friend of mine who I went to high school with. And I, he let me crash on his sofa out in Long Island. And I took the train into the city six days a week wow. every day and was never happier to sweep up floors in my life. And I got to train under Satoru, who was Orbe's very first assistant. He taught me how to blow dry hair, taught me how to like do the fashion shows, like how to set up a kit. It was like the most amazing education ever. And wow. then from, the, but I really wanted to be Orbe's main assistant. Like I wanted I wanted to learn as much as possible. Like I was very happy to be on his team, but I was like the eighth person. So I wasn't really with Orbe. I was helping out the other hairstylists mostly. And Orbe had already hired Judy, his assistant that was with him until the, until he passed away. I think they were together for like 25, 26 years. She was literally his right hand. Like, I don't think he could go to work anymore without her. Wow. But I wanted to be that person. And I knew I couldn't kick Judy out. She was too good. So I met Danilo, the hairstylist. I actually stalked him. Wow. I called his agent every day when I was in New York. And I would just say, like, if Danilo ever needs help on a job, if he needs an assistant, I am here. I am ready. 
And I was calling so much that Brooke Wall, his agent, told me on the phone if I ever called her again, <laughs> that she would not only make sure I never worked with Danilo, but she would make sure I never worked in this industry. When I get really nervous, I laugh. I giggle. <laughs> and I got a giggle that I just said out loud. Like, I didn't know people really said that in real life. Yeah. Like, it's only something you see on TV or in movies. But she did it, and she actually used it perfectly. But I still kept calling. And But then I realized I could another way in would be to call the John Frieda Salon. Mm-hmm. Because back then, Danilo worked out of there. Orlando Pita worked out of there. James Brown worked Jesus. out of there. Amazing hairstylist. So I met who is now my fairy godmother, Losi. Losi, mm, like literally the first men's groomer in the business, and she's still cutting hair at Marcial Vivo. She was the assistant manager at John Frieda, and she told me, like, if you want to work with Danilo, come work here, be an assistant, and it's the only way you're going to meet him. Like, yeah. You have to be vetted in a way. I'm like, okay. So she hired me, and I worked there for about a month, and it was the worst, worst time of my whole career. Like that one month being assistant at John Frieda was the worst month of my career. For real? They were so mean. They were so old fashioned in the way they did hair and just so mean. Like as an assistant, you had like, you were worthless. Yeah. And they really made you feel that way. It's like Devil Wears Prada. It was. Yeah. It was. And, but the thing is, I wasn't inspired by what I was seeing around me, like these old fashioned roller sets and everything else. Like I, like how was Danilo in here? But then literally one day I was assisting looking. I, well, actually, I called my mom one night and I thought I'd had it. I'm like, I, I don't think I can make it in New York. Like I've, I left Orbe to come work here to meet Danilo. And it, they, it's just not the place for me. I don't know if I can go back to Orbe. And my mom was like, you just look out the window and remind yourself where you are. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, she's right. I'm on Madison Avenue in New York City, in Manhattan. Yeah. Like from Lakeland, Florida to Manhattan. Like I can deal with it. If I can survive Lakeland, Florida as a fat gay kid, then I can survive <laughs> anything New York City has to throw at me. So I, I stuck it out. And then one day, I, I as I was helping one of the hairstylists uh, blow dry hair, uh, the manager of the salon came up and said, you have a phone call. And I thought there was a death in my family. Like for them to tell an assistant that there was a phone call, like we, we literally had to use the payphone down the street. This was in the nineties before cell phones and there were still actual payphones and all the assistants fought over it to use it. But I pick up the phone at the front desk and I hear this voice just say, hi, it's Danilo. (laughs) And I like fell right there. I fell completely to the floor. I was like, hi. He's like, I hear you want to work with me. I'm like, yes, I do. And he's like, well, it's your lucky day. And he had clients coming into the salon, so he needed me to prep the private room where celebrities go. And told me, like, one thing you need to know is I'm always late. So he had me prep a henna treatment, which I had never done before. He's literally like, make a really strong pot of coffee, get the henna powders out of the closet. Oh, God. And, like, just have them set and ready. I'm like, uh... Okay. <laughs> Seems like, like, sounds he like mixed the henna with coffee and it. <laughs> he did? Yeah. Instead oh. of any kind of other liquid, it enriched the henna so much. Oh. The first it. client that comes in was Kate Pearson from the oh. B52s. And oh. he was giving her that like iconic red, red, red hair that she had. So that's why I was prepping for. It. And then on that day, we got along really well that day. And he invited me to like go on other jobs with him. So I became his assistant for two years. And then from there, I assisted Sally Hirschberger for three years. I assisted my ass off in New York. But that's what led to Sally recommending me to work on a film called Vanilla Sky. 
I think I've heard of it. And I got to work with Tom Cruise and Penelope Cruz and Cameron Diaz, and I really worked really well with Cameron Crowe, the director. So I helped set the look for all the characters. I guess I waited like six years for my overnight success, and it really was doing that movie, right? Vanilla Sky, because that brought me to L.A., uh-huh. And then Tom asked me to do his next film, Minority Report, which I did. And then that's when I met Lisa Walker, my agent in L.A., and she convinced me to move to Los Angeles. And that's really when, like, my career really started. Damn. Yeah. What a coming in story. <laughs> also, I just think of, like, you coming up from Florida and walking into the Orbe Salon saying, I'm just going to go in. Like, where did you find that confidence? I was a kid. But 26 is not a kid kid. Well, no, but even like when I hit when I hit the button, because you had to walk into the Elizabeth Arden salon and then take the elevator to the 10th floor. And that was Orbe's floor. So even like pushing the button, I was like, I might get kicked out. But who like who cares? Yeah. Like I wasn't going to try to fake it like I need to book an appointment like (laughs) already like that. I just like what like what's the worst that can really happen? And I mean, it turns out like some really good stuff can happen by taking a risk. Yeah. I wish I still had the nerve. I wish I could tell my younger self to do more of that. I was just so timid and tepid for so long. And I got it. I wasted so much time. That's amazing. Jump in. Yeah. Great Uh, advice. What was the job that made you the most nervous? What were you the most scared about? What job really frightened you? My first job was my most frightening job. <laughs> Ellen DeGeneres. Oh, that's right. It was Ellen DeGeneres. With the tiny little hair so short. Mm. Truly the first three to five years of my working life, I was I needed a beta blocker and I didn't know they existed. <laughs> but I, I, my hands would shake so bad. I was like going in with a hot iron and just sh- shaking so bad. I, I, my hands were so shaky and the more they'd shake, the more they would shake. So I, there was never a time where I was like excited to go to work. I was just riddled with anxiety and panic and insecurity. Oof. I didn't spend a time in the salon. So I was right. like going from doing spreadsheets in the office to, you know. Plus you jumped right into celebrity. Yeah. Like I did a lot of time like in fashion working yeah. with models when I was assisting Danilo. It was, you know, we were working with David LaChapelle and Ellen Von Unworth, like the biggest photographers in the business. Yeah. But it was always with models. That's a-, a little more like there's a lot more freedom. Like it yeah. really, it, you're, you're not all, you're all in the room to create an amazing image. Yeah. You're not there all for one person. Well, and I really wish, part of me wishes that I had done my early years on the East Coast. Because they're, you know, coming up on the West Coast, there's not that kind of experience where you're on a big team of a fashion show. Mm-hmm. And like, I really wish that I had that, like just in the weeds and getting your hands in it. I never yeah. worked in a salon. I never did fashion shows. It was just like a real mm. zero to a hundred kind of situation. Wow. Yeah. I didn't think about that. I know. I really did learn a lot. East Coast. Like, uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, it turned out okay, but... Yeah. (laughs) But I really, like, broke in with, like, the help of the models. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you weren't constantly afraid of, like, oh, my God, is she going to like me? Yes, totally. It was, we're all here to get, like, the best image we can. Yeah. we all have to, like, put our hardest work into it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is... Yeah, I, I would... If I could go back, I would maybe just try and be in New York for a minute. Yeah. I'm too old for that. It's not the same. No. I mean, especially during Fashion Week, it was, you had to be on someone's team. And then, mm-hmm. like, if you're on that hairstylist team, you're with them throughout the season, throughout the whole week. You know, and that way, the, I, with Danilo especially, like, there would be times, 
he would be the key hairstylist at Cynthia Rally and then have to go set up for Todd Oldham. Like, so I would leave one show before it even started to set him up and get him ready. And if models actually showed up on time, I could start them mm. before he even got there. You know, it was, it, it, now it's so much, it's very, very different. It's all it's corporate. Most of the, most of the shows are sponsored right. by a hair product company. Right. And then you, you have to work with their team sometimes, you know, and you don't always... I think it's why a lot of the American shows are not as creative as the ones in Europe. Right. Yeah. You know, you look at the runway shows in Europe and it's like walking editorials. Yeah. Like this is what you would see in French Vogue and Italian Vogue, you know, Harper's Bazaar. The American shows are very, how are we going to sell this hair product? Right. We have to sell this makeup product as well as the clothes. Yeah. I think it kind of starts to become almost a distraction. I really romanticized the time that probably you were there before there were cell phones. You could just go and be in the trenches. And it sounds, I know it was probably an insane amount of work and schlepping all those suitcases and everything. But to be at a fashion show where there was no cell phones and all, it's supermodel era. Oh, God, it sounds so Everyone cool. Everyone backstage screaming like, where's Christy? Where's Christy? Mm. Christy's late. She comes running in and three hairdressers and three makeup artists like ascend upon Come her on. and have to get her ready in like 25 minutes. Those were the days. The dream. Yeah. yeah it's past too. Cause I the- mean, I certainly don't miss the stress of being backstage at like Bryant Park when mm-hmm. where the shows used to be. When I was assisting Danilo and he would run out of a product and like I'd have to run to a beauty supply to get it and run back like... I couldn't call him to say, like, they're out of that one, but what do you think about this version? Or, right. Like, the, actually, my very first cell phone I ever had, Danilo gave me. <gasps> I just remembered that. He was like, I'm done with the flip phone. I'm getting this new brick phone or whatever. Blackberry? Like, do you want this? It was pre-Blackberry. I mean, this was 96. Oh. But. T-Mobile. Like a it, sidekick? It, it, it wasn't even T-Mobile. It was called something else. But I signed up for an account, and then I stayed with it it was called voice stream then it became t-mobile and i stayed with it all the way up until the iphone came out mark townsend at tmo.blackberry.net that was me yeah that's <laughs> when i worked in the office i used to send the call sheets to that oh my god and i had to fax because sometimes he couldn't open attachments on the black i could never open attachments i still cannot open a freaking <laughs> attachment every my agent still makes fun of me to this day I like I can read smoke signals before I can like uh, open an attachment. Send a pigeon. I had to do an interview this morning. Like I was typing out my answers and they had sent it in a document kind of thing. And they said, we made it so easy for you. You can just edit it in this document. <laughs> 20 minutes to open the document. Then I finally figure out how to open it. Okay. Move my cursor here. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I start typing it out and then somehow I deleted everything. No. Including the questions. And then that's it. That's a wrap on that. No, then I went back to the original email and they had put the questions in the body of it. I cut and paste. <laughs> Old school. I mean, I basically sat there and hand wrote my answers because I can still write faster than I can type because I'm, I'm, I'm a hairstylist. Like, I know. The majority of my time is spent like with my hands in hair or products or something else. Like sitting down to type is the worst. Like, I know. You type so fast. I'm blown away when you're over there. It's my, it's my time in the office. Oh, yeah. There you go. I never had an office job. Yeah. I worked in a record store. I really thought I would work in fashion and music. I really wanted to like work on music videos. Music. And, and then I did a one music video. I'm like, this is torture. That's a wrap on music videos. That, uh, don't repeat. Yeah. Rinse this out and don't repeat. <laughs> the last music video I did, I think, was Christina Aguilera like 10 years ago. Ooh. 
I, it's so funny. I just got tagged in the Your Body oh, yeah. video with Christina Aguilar. That, mm-hmm. And someone put up like, this came out 10 years ago today. Wow. We have a lot to talk about in upcoming episodes, collaborating. Is there some way that you wish that you could collaborate that you haven't? Oh, I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I'm an old queen. I've, I've collaborated my butt off for decades. Certain like fashion moments are like moments that just happen. Like working with a photographer like Michelle Compte. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I literally like have probably almost died a couple times trying to get the shot right for, for him. And he's so inspiring. You do it. We were doing this photo shoot with Amanda Seyfried years ago for Italian Vogue. With the hair. The big giant yeah. hair. It's I mean, iconic. she had like 36 inch extensions in, all straight, and she was running, but it wasn't like a dramatic enough look. So I had wind behind her, and then I was running backwards with a fan blowing on her as she was running towards the photographer. Mm. And I went straight back a couple of times. I fell into the photographer a couple of times, but the thing is, we got the shot. Ugh. Yes, you did. And yeah. so we'll have to pop it up. there's such an impact. Mo- like every time I look at that photo, like I have a little giggle about like, oh, I almost died for that shot. But yeah. it was worth it. Yeah. Oh, was yeah. it worth it? Oh, my God. Patrick Demarchier has made me like go out on like a cliff before. And I'm like, I can't. I don't think that wood beam will hold me. He's like, go fix. Go do the hair. <laughs> fix. I'm like, oh, OK. <laughs> I remember looking at Carolyn Murphy one time and saying, I might kill us. <laughs> just to touch up your hair she's like it's fine do you have a hair folder i have so many folders of hair inspirations in my phone yeah the best are actually every year for met gala because i worked with ashley mm-hmm. and mary kate olson mm-hmm. 14 years in a row of met galas and the inspiration are even reference pictures that go back and forth are sometimes just like if you look at it out of context you'd have no idea what was going on you know i might get a text like i want to look like a gypsy so okay I start my references she starts hers and then we combine them there was one year the theme was actually like fashion in the design or in the machine age so it was very mechanical everyone had like dresses that moved and like came apart or lit up and stuff like that and Ashley's whole thing that year was everything had to be handmade so she wore vintage Dior like it probably took a team of seamstresses you know, hundreds of hours to hand sew this entire thing together with crystals. And she didn't want any heat on her hair. We let it, it was the, it was my introduction to like air drying. Like that becomes such a trend later. Like, and so I gave her a little lift with pins and then flattened it back down. And she just had flat brushed out waves. Talk about collaboration. Those oh. two, you guys have done so for so long. Didn't you do their prom? I did Lizzie Olsen for her first high school formal. Um, Ashley and Mary Kate missed their prom because they were hosting Saturday Night Live. (laughs) What a reason to miss your prom. So I've worked with them for 22 years. Damn. They were 15 when we met. That's insane. Mm -hmm. And it's Met Gala. That first Monday of May is always my favorite. Really? Yeah. It's not the... I mean, you know what Met Gala days are normally like. You're racing around. You're stuck in trying to get on in an elevator in a hotel where a hundred other makeup artists and hairstylists are trying to go. Mm-hmm. Ashley and Mary Kate get ready together at one of their homes. So cute. They style each other. <sighs> so it's just myself, the makeup artist, nails, and Christy, who is their tailor. Wow. So in case anything needs like last minute tailoring or adjustments, wow. she's fun. there to do that. 
Yeah, there's no jewelry. There's no publicist in the room. Like, it's really just us. Ugh, dream collab. Yeah. That's amazing. And lots of time. Mm-hmm. Like, mm. we have, like, three, four hours to get ready. Ugh. Which is, again, it's amazing. So fun. Usually right after Met Gala, the makeup artist and I, um, Anna Marie, we pop around the corner and sit and have a martini. Cute. And we, as we wait for the photos to come up. It's so fun. I know. Hitting the, refresh, 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 Like refresh. waiting and waiting and waiting. Yeah. And then I'll never forget one year. We were sitting having our like traditional martinis. And um, I had, we always take photos of them before they leave so they can see what their outfits look like, how it's going to be photographed. Mm-hmm. As uh, Anna Marie and I were having our, our martinis, the photos from the red carpet started coming up. Everybody looked orange. There was like a sepia tone in the tent. Like, the lighting was really, really bad. Oh, no. And I took a risk, and I'm like, well, I'm just going to post the pictures that we took of them at home. And I texted both of them saying, hey, put up a private picture, but it's because the lighting was so bad on the carpet. And their responses were both like, oh, thank God. Oh, good. You never know. (laughs) I know. Yeah. I know. Well, they're so private, so I never want to step over any boundaries or anything. Yeah. My actual first red carpet I ever, ever, ever did of my whole career was for the Met Gala, though. With who? Chandra North, the model. Oh, my God. Uh I was assisting Danilo, Mm -hmm. and Danilo worked all the time with Ellen Von Unworth. Mm -hmm. And Ellen loved Chandra North, the model. She just got used to seeing me on shoots and, like, would sit in my chair backstage at fashion shows. Like, when, when she was modeling in shows, she would sit in my chair to have her hair done. So she just reached out to Danilo's agent. And said, you know, I know, I'm sure Janilo's book. Like, what about Mark? God. So that was my very first. Ugh. First like, Met Ball with showing an... showing up all by myself to get somebody ready for like an event. Nerve wracking. It was, luckily, like she and I knew each other. Like we had been on a lot of photo shoots together at that point. Right. So she was super friendly about it. Did you did you ever struggle with nerves? Sally told me though at the very beginning, she's like, you have to like get it together. Like, you can't be shaky. You can't be nervous. And when you're in the room getting someone ready, celebrities are like sharks. They can smell that fear. Yeah. You know, and it kind of leads to, like, uh, like a, a lack of confidence. Oh, yeah. Oof. In you. So, I mean, my knees can be shaking, mm-hmm. like, under my jeans. But I, I figured out how to hide it, at least. Oh, I'm still, I still get nervous. I had to shave Tom Cruise's head on camera, being directed by Steven Spielberg. Oh, all right, that is the most scared I've ever been in my life because it's literally on one take. Mm-hmm. Like, you cannot mess this up. We spent, like, a whole day getting ready for it, rehearsing, getting that camera angles right and everything. And I was all suited up like one of the military guys. They had a, a cord running through my suit. For, so I had an electric clipper that I had to literally shave his head. The very first take... The camera is literally right on my hand. And then I turn my hand and go straight at the back of his head. And we get the shot. I'm turning. And just before I hit Tom's Tom's hair, uh, Steven Spielberg's like, cut, 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 cut. And he pulls me to the side. And he was like, are you nervous? And I'm like, what do you think? Of course I am. Steven Spielberg. Well, do you think there's any way you could make your hand stop shaking? No. I was like, um... uh, let me work on it. Let me try. And the next take, we we got it. Really? Yeah. Because when my hands sh- shake, the more I see them shake, the more they shake. It makes it worse. Yes. How I, did you stop it? I don't know. I just really concentrated so hard Ugh. on my hand. Uh, but the thing is, like, they yelled cut, and, like, Tom literally had two 
stripes on the back of his head and then we're going to move the angle and I had gotten to know it's the very last thing you're shooting so I got to know the crew really well so they were kind of like applauding and like like well done Mark and I went to stand up and my knees gave out and I fell right there on set no yeah felt completely down I'm like well I guess you can tell how nervous I am like I literally could not walk heartbreaking But I was like, at least it happened now, like not on camera. And it, well, again, because I had assisted Sally Hershberger for three years and she was cutting Mr. Spielberg's hair. So right. I saw him pretty regularly with her. Right. So then when I was on set with Tom Cruise for that movie, Minority Report, it was kind of like a, oh, hey, you, I know you. Yeah. Well, it's and one thing to like see him around town in haircuts, <laughs> but another thing to be in wardrobe. Yeah. <laughs> it was incredible. <laughs> Oh, God. These what memories. about you? Are there any collaborations that you... Want to do? Yeah. I like collaborating with stylists. I feel like I'm used to being spoken to in a certain way, kind of like being told what to do, and I, I'm now I'm like kind of burnt out on that. So yeah. I, like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. After the, pan- the break of the pandemic, my tolerance for direction and how it's given is very specific. Talk about like pre-COVID. Like what's happened to you pre and post-COVID? Well, I started a business with my family, and we're making domestically made hair and bobby pins. Most pins are made in, you know, overseas. Ours are made in the United States. Sustainability is the the heart and the core of everything we do. So stainless steel coated in nylon, which is made from castor seeds. They're dyed in Los Angeles. Ten real hair colors. All of our packaging is biodegradable. So, yeah, we built building a big, big... um big endeavor here yeah well when you were devel- when you were coming up with this whole wait what did you call it again pinpire pinpire my favorite mm-hmm. words mm-hmm. i've ever heard come out of your mouth enjoying the pinpire i died when i heard you say that um but as you were doing it i i never thought about what we do with our hairpins yeah i've gone through thousands and thousands and thousands of hairpins over my career yeah and they get swept into the garbage and end up in, in a landfill yeah we have it in our business plan that there is an actual data number that is massive amounts of tons or something like yeah. that but yeah and i anytime i did a red carpet and an updo i always gave my client a little stack of pins wrapped in a, mm-hmm. a hair elastic and just thinking about like always. how many and times the, and then because they have to take it and fit into that tiny little designer clutch yes so, yeah yes, those be, little those yeah. little bundles yeah so our pins will last as long as you can keep track of them which is why i created tubes which will help you do that eliminating single use yeah and yeah. then you can give your client the little tube yeah I've as they're going right Me their name on it oh how not oh so it's, it's personalized yeah oh that's such a good idea i want to start doing that yeah and then clients. they keep it for the next time we work together it's super yeah. easy yeah and i love hair that looks like it might fall out at the like if one hairpin comes out but there's Hundreds of hairpins holding that hair. Yeah, up. yeah, hundreds. You never know. No. All right, Aviva, we have to do our rinse and repeat. Okay. Okay, tell me one thing that you want to rinse away. What happened to you this week that you just want it rinsed away? Or in the world? Okay. We're going to rinse. Also, I would like to just stop the podcast for a second and say this isn't just to be nice but mark really is one of the best storytellers on the planet and okay almost every day i'm like he tells me what happens in news so i have like a the fun gay news reporter that catches me up really quickly over drinks so can you please tell me what do you want to you you go first 
I want to, I had two really good days off and I binge watched TV. I want to repeat that more often. What'd you watch? House of the Dragon. <gasps> I'm oh. caught up. It is so good. Fully. Oh no, there's one. No, I think there's two more episodes mm. before the end of this, the, this season. How are the wigs? You have so good. As good as Game of Thrones? Uh, yes. Yes, the game of the hair on Game of Thrones and on House of the Dragon is unbelievable. Next level. And I gotta say, like, they must have some day rate beauty pins because I love that it's all these blonde mm. wigs and you don't see a hairpin anywhere. Oh, those people know what they're doing. I mean, I'm sure there's quite a budget for retouching and filters, but right. <laughs> like, how many times do you watch RuPaul's Drag Race? And when the queens are getting ready, or not even when they're getting ready, when they're performing, yeah, and they're in a white or blonde or any kind of any light wig black. and there's black lobby yep. pins everywhere i know no listen girls they have what... every color of every wig you might ever want and if i don't i will make them so. yes oh my god you should <laughs> do, a collabor- do a collaboration with james mansfield oh uh, i would love to james listen uh, uh, we should tag james i will i need to send james some james things. is a drag queen that does amazing i mean hysterical and funny yeah an amazing performer but does the most amazing wigs yeah yeah, she works for, she does wigs for all the girls. For Trixie Mattel. Right? Yeah, yeah. Trixie would be the color Prosecco, just FYI. Because <gasps> mm, she's always blonde. She's like white, white blonde. White blonde, always. Yeah, those would hide hide away in a second. You should send a box over to Trixie and Katya, because they're both always I like I can't find blonde. their addresses. <gasps> I've been podcast. looking. We'll, we'll, we'll find them through their podcast. I, I would love to. Oh my God, let's go see a show. My brother and I saw the... Uh, RuPaul, RuPaul's review in Las Vegas and it was incredible and it was Roxy Andrews oh. and Kennedy Davenport the hardest worker in the biz Coco Montrese uh, it was incredible I want to go again we have to go yes yeah I'd go to Vegas just for that I do not enjoy Las Vegas at all no one of my least favorite places to go for work. Yeah, it was not our jam either. But we we stayed in a place that was like, it didn't feel like there were cigarettes allowed. And all of the ding, 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 ding was a very minimal. Yeah. So I would absolutely stay there again. It's a resorts world. And it was the top like seven floors of resorts world that you could only get to if you were staying there. Mm-hmm. It's called Croxford. And it was incorrect. I will never, never go to Vegas again and not stay there. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then we saw the show. Was it far from where the where the show was? It was a taxi drive, but yeah. it wasn't bad. Did you go to Las Vegas with me on that job? For Caesar's Palace? Caesar's Palace? Yes. Of course you did. I was assisting you. Five days. We stayed at Caesar's Palace doing the ad campaign for Caesar's Palace. Yeah, they Do were like doing a rebrand and a refresh. It, it was the launch of their new their new wing. That uh-huh. whole new wing that was coming with that new incredible spa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We realized we never went outside for like four days. Mark and I were inside a casino for five days straight without any daylight, and we started to go insane. It was, but we had to go into one of the like those crazy suites that they save for the whales. Yeah, when they're in town, we were there, and then they had a balcony. Yeah, and we all like Molly Stern was doing makeup. I remember we were all on the balcony just trying to breathe air, <laughs> like oh, fresh oxygen. And then for Molly and I to be on a job, and I think it was like the fourth <laughs> night of the job, and it's when they were going to shoot in the pool. Yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And let's be honest, yes, like yes. 
99% of the time, like the hairstylist, me, and the makeup artist, Molly, would have looked at our assistants and been like, go put your bathing suit on. You're getting in the water. Yeah. But we were so desperate to be outside. Molly and I both got in the pool. I remember that. <laughs> I remember this. Oh, so I remember funny. you sitting on the side of the pool now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember now. With Molly's assistant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was a crazy job. <laughs> it's like, am I in jail? I don't I don't know why I can't go outside. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the stories we have. I get, well, we can't, can't wait to tell. I mean, we have a ton of two decades worth of stories that we've experienced together and lots I, of. This is literally what, speaking of, I need a refill. I know, here coming up. Thank mm-hmm. you. Pre-COVID, we would always tag what bar we were in. Oh, yeah. You know, hoping we'd get free drinks. But actually, it led to so many people we work with and so many of our friends just constantly saying, like, how come I'm never invited? Yeah. You guys all, like, I was at work with you one hour ago. What are you guys doing at a bar without me? Like, we're going home. We're not going home. We're not going home. (laughs) But now everyone's invited to come with us. Who who is someone that you would dream about having on our podcast? Who is the next hair apparent? Oh, gosh. Well, as far as, like, clients... Cheers. Cheers. I really want to speak to Alyssa Milano because she does so much like philanthropic work, but also since we're talking about our time in beauty, the beauty biz, she's been in a chair longer than probably almost anyone we know, right? Like I know, well, Mary Kate and Ashley were babies. They started at eight months old. (laughs) Yeah, but we, yeah, I would just love to talk to her uh, just about beauty and all the things that she's learned throughout the years being, being in the chair and also, like, what makes someone beautiful about what they do yeah. when, and how they treat people. When you're doing her hair, does she ever give you, like, tips? Like, hey, I picked up in the 80s. Like, use your scrunchie like this. No, really? she is. she's the most trusting and just says, do whatever you want to do. For years. I mean, it's been, like, 10 years that we've been together. So, Can we ask her about her top knot? Yes. The top knot the, scene around the world? Yeah, the iconic political top knot. She can rock a top, top knot. top knot. Yeah. At the Kavanaugh hearings. Yes. Oh, uh, power sh- top knot. Yes, that is the most power top mm-hmm. knot ever. Snatched and ready Wait, to we were daggerize. We were actually talking about that one day, probably sitting in Chaconis or somewhere, <laughs> and you and you said something about her top knot, that they were... It became like a skit on SNL. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> little top of the little pink, pink, <laughs> so popping out behind that hideous face of Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, she's she's fierce and iconic, and I feel so lucky to know her. I've learned so much about her and how to be strong and her political stance. People really, really, truly come for her. And yeah. I just learned so much from her. I would love to have her. It takes a lot to be that vocal. Come talk to us. Yeah. And I mean, she did it with Brian White in the 80s. Remember she kissed him yes, on Donahue? Yes. And people were terrified of AIDS people and thinking AIDS. It, was, it was, you know, you could pass it through a kiss. She's incredible. I would love for you to meet her just as a, a friend. She's so fun. And as a fan. Yeah, uh, yeah. Fear. Yeah. I can <gasps> never get over the fashions in that movie. That's right. It was so early 90s. And so, like, she wore this midriff. And yes. then, like, a schoolgirl plaid skirt. Yeah. And then the thigh highs. I know. That that's my the epitome of fashion to me. <laughs> I know. Her throwbacks on Instagram are the best. From Tiger Beat to like, she's just, she has the best throwbacks. Imagine how much hairspray has been put in that's her hair That's what I mean. We years. have to talk to her. We pounds, have to have her on. Pounds of hairspray. Yeah. I feel like she might do it too. I'll, yeah. I'll beg. <laughs> yeah. You do that. I'll beg Dakota to do a, a Dakota Johnson bangs tutorial. Because yeah. no one really knows that I'll style her hair like 90% of the way and then go into the bathroom 
set down a blow dryer, a flat brush, a Mason Pearson flat brush, a Spornet mixed bristle, small round brush, and a water bottle. And she will soak her bangs and then blow dry them in like two minutes. Well, when you have friends, you have to, that's your hairstyle. Yeah. It you is know, the look. 90% of the times with Dakota, you can, I can put her hair into the messiest butt in the back. Who cares? Yeah. It's all about those bangs. I know. Yeah. Well, although- They do become a style. And I, I tell people all the time, like, if you want bangs, you just have to know, like, they are a commitment. Like, spend 10 minutes blowing them out in the morning and you're done for the day. I will never have bangs again. Yes, you will. No. I yes, you will. You There's, look so good with I really, know I look, really long, long, long hair and bangs. I, I should have bangs, but I the, the high maintenance of it all. You have one of the strongest calyx I've ever seen in my no, entire life. That's why I can't that have That split is... I know. It's real. It's intense. Yeah. It's time to put a pin in it. Let's put a pin in Let's it. Let's put a pin in it until next time. Well, and speaking of guests, I think we're going to start to have some of our colleagues and, and collaborators in to talk to. So the, stay tuned for that. The calls are out. If you guys have anybody you think that we should talk to, hairstylist, makeup artist, wardrobe stylist, anybody in the beauty biz who has a good coming in story, yes. let's get them on. But also, if there are questions, we're going to have like some of the best makeup artists in the world on. Do you have a question for them? Like, do you have a, do you want a, like a hot tip or whatever they're into right now? Please let us know and we'll ask them that question. Yeah. Uh, make sure to check out at hair apparent podcast on Instagram because we'll announce who's going to be our next guest. Yes. And then you can leave questions in the comments. Perfect. Exactly. Engage with us and we will engage with you. Well, cheers Aviva. Cheers Mark. To our first liquid ladies lunch that's been recorded. <laughs> We're on the record. <laughs> Well, and we'll rinse and repeat next week. Rinse and repeat. Yeah. See you next week. Cheers.